from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're doing well this morning. It is a new week. We are here following Selection Sunday and is Monday, March 12th. So we are coming off of the Selection Show, Selection Sunday, and everything that's been going on with choosing the brackets of the NCAA Tournament I did my bracketology, as I always do, gave my thoughts on who I th- I expected to get in and where I expected them to get in, and, you know, some of the things are right and some of the things are not, you know, <laughs> some of my predictions are what the committee went with and some are not what the committee went with, but the thing that, that I find funny is it's not just one of those things where you're like, oh, I predicted this and it was either right or wrong. I could fight some of these things because I believe that certain things like Duke getting a two seed is more on history and clout than it truly was on Duke's season. So there's certain things like that that, you know, I have to bring up and we have to discuss and go over and truly talk about why. You know, why did it happen? Why did they get there? Is it something that I thought was done because of the record, because of their actual success, or do I think that it was something that was done because, in the case of, like, Trey Young in Oklahoma, that the committee just really wanted to get Oklahoma into the tournament, and the answer that they gave was hilarious. So we're going to discuss all of that in just a little bit. I want to let you know really quick here that on Twitter, I put polls up every single week, so you got to make sure that you go and follow me on Twitter, at CallDT. And vote in the polls. That's A A C or as pardon me at C A L L D T at call D T. So I put up three polls, and this morning, as the votes have come in from last night, did you like the new NCAA selection show? Ninety-three percent of you said no. Seven percent said yes. We'll discuss that in the second hour of the show. And who is the biggest snub of the NCAA selection committee for the upcoming tournament? 9% of you said Louisville, 18% of you said St. Mary's, 18% of you said Middle Tennessee, and a whopping 55% of you said Notre Dame was the biggest snub of not getting in the tournament. And then who is the most surprising team to make the tournament? A team that was on the bubble, so to speak. 0% of you said Arizona State, 5% said Texas, 71% of you said Oklahoma, and I am in agreement with you. 24% of you said Syracuse. So that's all coming up on today's show. We're going to discuss all of those polls and, and why I put them out there and just the big storylines that we have. You're also going to hear my conversations with the ACC tournament champion, Virginia Cavaliers. You will hear from Devin Hall, Isaiah Wilkins, Jack Salt, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, Nigel Johnson, and Mamadi Diakite all from the Virginia Cavaliers, all in my one-on-one conversations. And from the leading scorer on the other side, Luke May, who joins the show, you'll hear from him from North Carolina as well. And in just a couple minutes to start off the broadcast, you will hear from assistant coach Alan Griffin of the Syracuse Orange in today's morning menu inside Wake Up Call. 
here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Today's morning menu once again on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for Monday, March 12th this morning. Of 2018, we will start off the broadcast in just a moment with a live conversation with Alan Griffin, assistant coach of the Syracuse Orange in his first season back at Syracuse after playing for the team and being a grad assistant. The team is back in the NCAA tournament. So we'll talk with Alan Griffin about coming back and in year one since returning to Syracuse, having the team go back to the NCAA tournament and back to March Madness. So he'll be on the show in just a few minutes to talk about the team, talk about getting to the tournament, his first season so far, and he coaches the big. So we'll talk about Brahma Sidibe and Pascal Chuku and so much more coming up in just a moment here on the show. And we will go from there to my one-on-one conversations with the North Carolina Tar Heels and the, and the Virginia Cavaliers coming off of the ACC tournament title after my coverage in Brooklyn of the entire ACC tournament and, of course, championship week. We'll go over the bracket in the second part of the show. And what did Johnny say? A side note from Syracuse, Detroit is bringing in DeMarco Murray and Jonathan Stewart. It looks like our best bet is swing. Looks like bets are swinging our way. Well, I told you you needed a running back, Johnny, and you got two of them. We'll discuss that in the second hour as well. And you NFL fans, I've been missing you because I've been talking about college basketball all week, doing my brackets, doing my, you know, my uh, prognosticating and my predictions and and having Syracuse players on the show and covering the ACC tournament and doing almost 60 interviews in Brooklyn. So NFL fans, you're going to get your fix this week. I promise you that. We'll take a fast break and come back with Alan Griffin. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DreisigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com.
This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar is your home on the water for every season. Join them on Wednesdays for all-you-can-eat wings, chicken thighs, and drumsticks from 3 to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, join me, Dan Tortora, for live game show night. A new night out unlike anything you've played before in central and upstate New York every Thursday at 7 p.m. And while you're there on Thursdays at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar from 5 to 9 p.m., join them for the barbecue all-you-can-eat buffet with buffet-style sides, ribs, and pulled pork, chicken thighs, and drumsticks. And on Wednesdays and Thursdays, all day happy hour. You know how to get it done right at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar on 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you and listening in to this broadcast, everybody that is, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for Brooklyn. Brooklyn was awesome. Being in the BK was, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm not happy back to be back at Familiar Digs and back in the studio with all the cool stuff and surrounded by some amazing things and history and, you know, being back with the family, obviously, and with with the two ladies, with with my pup and with my wife. So very, very happy to be back home and to see my mama. So, yeah, I mean, it's great being back here, and it's great being around all of you, and I want to thank you for all your support and all that you've done. I will tell you, though, that it was a great time out in, uh, out in Brooklyn. The BK was very good to me. It was the second year that we broadcasted live from Brooklyn, which was awesome, and I want to give a shout-out to Brooklyn for the hospitality. I want to give a shout-out to my Uber drivers, because they friggin' killed it. They were awesome. So, big shout-out to my Uber drivers. We had a lot of fun. Had a good time. All went well. So so that was good stuff. And, you know, ultimately, it was a great experience. I got my sandwich shop that I always go to, and I get a sandwich called the Batman. And I will tell you that it was phenomenally great per always. And I got, I think I got the sandwich like four times. I have a problem with getting the Batman sandwich. I definitely am having a problem with that. <laughs> with that. So it was very, very good. So I went out and did that, and you know I walked around, went to my crepe place. I went and uh, met my wife's sister, and we had some pizza with Calabrian honey. Something about being Calabrese, they put honey on pizza because they do it at a place. 
you know, I, there's two places I've been to in my life that put that put honey on Calabrian style pizza. So it must be because we're so sweet. But my mom's side of the family's from Calabria, Italy. So we had some Calabrian styled pizza. It was good. We had some breakfast pizza. It's nice in this place called Fortina that's in the BK. So shout out to Brooklyn. The food was awesome. Walking around was awesome. The Uber drivers were awesome. And, you know, obviously the Barclays Center is the Barclays Center. So I want to give a, a shout out and, and, and really thank everybody that had that there was a part of my trip and that was a part of, of my time out in Brooklyn. I really want to thank you because it was a great experience per always. And I'm going to miss it, you know. And not that I'm not going to go back to the BK, but, you know, it's like you, last year was a new experience and... You know, I'm leaving D.C., which I had had fun with. And before that, I was in Greensboro, which is really, like, chill and, like, relaxed. So you could just drive into the stadium. So going to Brooklyn was a big switch from Greensboro, as Jim Beheim pointed out. And having that switch, it took some getting used to. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, because it's a lot more expensive to go out and stay in Brooklyn and not only is it a lot more expensive, but, you know, you can't just, like, casually walk to the stadium from where I was at, and you couldn't, I mean, and, and to drive over, I'm not going to drive down in my car and and this and that. So, it's definitely different, but this year, I really started to get used to it. And I was like, you know, I could get used to coming here every year, because I miss the lore of New York City, and MSG for the Big East tournament and all that. And I mean, obviously the Big East tournament is still there, but I'm talking about when Syracuse was in it. So I'm missing it and I'm jonesing for it. And, you know, I've been getting a great experience at the Barclays Center. And now all of a sudden that's over. And we head back to Charlotte for the ACC tournament in 2019. Which I've never been to Charlotte for that, but I do like the Hornets Arena, and I did go back there for their first re their first game back as the Charlotte Hornets when they unveiled everything and came back as the Charlotte Hornets for the team. I was there for that game and got the commemorative ticket of their return, which is awesome because I grew up a Hornets fan and became a Raptors fan, and so I have the Hornets first ticket and I have the Raptors first ticket, which is really cool. So I know I know of the area. And obviously, I've been to Charlotte a bunch of times in my coverage of ACC Media Day for men's basketball and for uh, and for football for the ACC. So, you know, I'm used to that. And Charlotte is a trip that I've taken plenty of times. And then in 2020, we go back to Greensboro. But I had a nice conversation with John Swafford about if they will ever return to Brooklyn. And you need to hear that. It's up right now. Let me tell you where it is. I'll give you some info here. So on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, right underneath the live feed, the MixLR live feed that you see right there that plays by itself, right underneath that it says, hear the entire Wake Up Call show archive on demand by clicking below. And there's the RSS feed, there's the Podbean app, and there's the iTunes store. You can click on any of those, and it will take you to my app for the show and on episode 47 of 2018 that is my one-on-one conversation with John Swafford I might actually air it individually as well 
so you can hear it two different ways on the show archive. You can either listen to the whole episode 47 or you can listen straight to the broadcast. You definitely want to hear that one because that is a very, very crucial interview to listen to. We hit 100,000 right before I left for Brooklyn. We got to 100,000 downloads. That's not plays, folks. Plays plays at this point, like 300,000 and up. But 100,000 downloads on the show app. And we went to Brooklyn and we're almost at 101,000. So we almost gained 1,000 people while doing the live broadcast from Brooklyn. So shout out to the BK and shout out to all of you for being awesome and from everywhere you listen in. Speaking of the brackets and what is going on, with these brackets, this is an awesome, awesome year once again, and we are in the top 20 once again. What are we at this morning? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're in the top 10. We are in the top 10 bracket pools in the world. Let me rephrase. Let me Not rephrase. Let me just restate. We are in the top 10 bracket pools, not in Syracuse, not in the state of New York, not in the Northeast, not in America, in the entire world. Entire world. There is 35,174 bracket pools in the world. We are in the top 10 this morning for people that have joined, for members. Join the bracket pool today. You can go to Yahoo's Tourney Pick'em. And you can simply, you go to Yahoo's Tourney Pick'em and you can look at, you can click on find a group and you'll see wake up call with the Syracuse logo. And we are right there at the top. We are in the top 10 for the let, this is the third year in a row that we've made the top 50 in the world. Three years. So, so two years ago, we made the top 50 last year. We made the top 15. I think it was like top 18 in the world. And this year we're in the top 10. So make sure that you join. We've had a lot of early signups. And if I've sent you the bracket pool a hundred times, I apologize. When I send the invites to returning members, it goes out to everybody. So if you've gotten it a hundred times, just disregard it. But we are up to 133 members as of this morning. And we are in the top 10 in the world of over 35,174 brackets. And that is because of you and your awesomeness and all that you do. So let me say thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you again for being as amazing as you have been to me and to this bracket pool. I cannot thank you enough, and I appreciate it tremendously. Let us set history once again. Top 50 brackets in the world on the Yahoo Tourney Pick'em for three years straight. Let's keep it going this year, and can we make the top 10 for good? We're in the top 10 right now, and it is up to you to keep us there. You can join. It is free. It's an online bracket. You put the bracket in, and when you do it, make sure that you don't hide your email, because if you hide your email, it will. I won't be able to see it. So if you win, I can't send you, because we're going to send out a prize to the top team. We're giving out a grand prize this year, and I'm going to let that know as the tournament goes on. If you hide your email, then obviously I can't send you your winnings because I won't be able to see you. So make sure that you leave your email out there for us to see. I know a bunch of you have hidden emails on this thing, and, and if that's the case, then 
and we can't get in touch with you because we don't have a way to reach you, then we'll go to the team that's right behind you. So you don't want to be that case where you win the bracket pool and you didn't put your email out, so I can't get a hold of you, so you don't win the prize because I want to give it to the top team. So make sure that you put yourself out there and we'll get you all set up and ready to go. So go to the Yahoo Tourney Pick'em. And if you click on Find a Group, you'll see Wake Up Call with the Syracuse logo. You can also look us up by our number, which is Group 9345. Or you could go on Facebook and Twitter and sign up there. So you could go straight to Facebook.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and you can sign up on the link that's there. Or you could go to Twitter at Call DT and sign up on the link that you'll find right there as well. So make sure that you sign up and make it happen so i'm putting up right now sign up free so i'm putting out another message for you this morning that'll be right at the top of twitter and facebook so sign up free for the wake up call bracket challenge now make sure you get yourselves into this bracket challenge you don't want you don't want to miss it don't want to miss out on the opportunity, so sign up here today. Just got a message from Alan Griffin. He will be on the show very shortly, so I want to thank him for that. And let me see what we got here. We're going to get him on the show right around 945 is what we're going to do. So we'll get him on there. So what we'll do is we'll flip-flop here. We'll take a short step aside, and we will come back with conversations with the Virginia Cavaliers and the North Carolina Tar Heels from the ACC Tournament Championship game, which will be on here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. In just a moment, you'll hear from all of them. So once again, you'll hear from North Carolina as well as the champion Virginia Cavaliers who avenged their loss to North Carolina that happened a couple years ago in the tournament finale. You'll hear from both sides in just a moment here on Wake Up Call. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company, call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you this morning, back at Familiar Digs, back in the studios here of Central and Upstate New York. Happy to be here with you folks, and thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast this AM. I thank you very much for that. So thank you for being a part of the show and for always being in support of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and everything that we do here on the broadcast. So big ups to you on that, and thank you so much for being a part of the broadcast. We're going to get started here in my one-on-one conversations with those teams that were inside of the championship game for the ACC tournament. As you know, we did Wake Up Call live from Brooklyn from Tuesday, March 6th through Saturday, March 10th. And I had the opportunity to speak with players from all throughout the schools inside of the ACC in every single round. We wrote stories for every single round. You can read those by going on wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the Right Now page. And right now on the broadcast, we're going to go to the UNC Tar Heels and Luke May and just what he could say. He had 15 points in a very, very strong first half for him. And then he went on a drought, ending the game with 20 eventually, but had a little bit of a lull in the second half, just what he could say about that. I just miss shots. I mean, uh, I mean, you're not going to make every single shot you take and miss a couple easy ones. And uh, 
I'm just uh, my other, my teammates were finding open shots and they were making plays. And I mean, I was trying to set screens, make make things happen. Had a couple of assists, but I mean, it's not all about me. It's about the team. It's about playing for each other. And uh, we lost tonight as a group, and that's the biggest thing that we take away from it. Leadership-wise, just what you can say about Theo Pinson as well as Joel Berry, just what they meant to the team. I mean, they're unbelievable. I mean, to have both those guys play so hard, and I mean, all about the team. I mean, it's really important for us, and I think they're really the heartbeat of our team. You know that, like you said, you know, after this, if you lose a game, it's over. Just what you can say about what you've taken away from the season and how poised this team is to move forward. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we're not even looking forward to, uh, I mean, whatever you talked about with kind of this past season. I mean, we're still in the current season, and we're going to continue to play as well as we can to make it to that last Monday night. What are some of the things that you've taken away from the campaign so far for this season? Some of the biggest things that maybe the team has gone through adversity-wise or whatever you... We've bounced back some games, and we've had some stretches where we've not played well, but I think we can continue to get better, and uh, defensively we can continue to grow. We made some strides, but I think we got a long way to go. Guys like Kenny Williams, just what you could say about, you know, different role players and the depth of Unbelievable. the Unbelievable. I mean, they've done so much for our team and so many great jobs on so many different games, and I just, I mean, I speak that so highly of all of, our, all of our guys. I mean, they give so much every single day in practice, and I mean, it just... You see some snippets of it during the game, but I mean, what they put in is just really pushes me each and every day. And lastly, for me, Roy Williams, just what you could say about what he does leadership-wise and what he's meant to you personally. I mean, he's just one of the best coaches in the country, and I've really, really, really uh, appreciated the opportunity to uh, be able to play and be able to, uh, to coach me to the player that I've become, and I, he continues to push me to get better. That coming once again from Luke May of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Luke May of the Tar Heels having a conversation with me following the team's loss in the ACC tournament finale to the Virginia Cavaliers. Luke May, one heck of a player. Yeah, and it's funny, I was talking to one of the guys in the media and we were discussing how, you know, if you leave him open in the high post and you and you give him an, any opportunity in the high post to either take a jump shot or to break it and go inside and whatnot. I mean, he's he's gonna bring it to you, and that's 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 the really cool thing about you know what Luke May is capable of doing is that he is he is such a versatile player that he can hit that big time jump shot and and he could go out there and, and do some great things in, in general and and just brings a lot to the team. He can obviously attack inside. So there's a lot to be said and a lot to be had when you look at a player like Luke May, who came up big time in the tournament for North Carolina last year. So, you know, he did some great things last year with his shooting ability, and he brings that back this year. And, and a lot of respect and big ups to him for the work that he's done. And from Luke May to the other side, to the Virginia Cavaliers, I want to start my conversations off with them, sharing these with you from the ACC tournament finale with Jack Salt and what Jack Salt had to say about Tony Bennett had told me at the beginning of the season that this was going to be a new challenge for him. Did he see that this team was going to be special from the beginning, or did it build over time? This is what Jack Salt had to say. Uh, no, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea we were going to have kind of this season so far. I mean, I feel like you never, it's hard to tell at the start of the season, but I'm very, I'm very happy how it's, how it's going so far. And you look at in the second half, you had a couple points there. You know, everybody finds their place on this team. And just what you could say about how this is a family. And, and Nigel Johnson said everybody had to make championship-style plays, and he felt like everybody did. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't have a guy that's going to go out and 
score 30 points. Uh, we have guys that if one guy's not hitting shots, somebody else is going to step up. Um, so that gives you confidence in yourself and with the team. So I think that's why we kind of have that mentality of just everyone can co contribute how you can and just give you your best and we'll live with the result. Kyle Guy got the MVP, but there's this notion that you can pretty much name any one of you guys MVP because of the way that you play. Do you get a sense of that, that it's not on this team that there's one or two guys that are doing everything? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the individual, it's the collective, and that's what Coach stresses. Um, that's what this program's been built on. Uh, built on, sorry, and um, yeah, no, it, it really could, really could. A couple years ago, Isaiah Wilkins and Devin Hall had to deal with being on the other side of North Carolina and losing the ACC tournament title in Washington, D.C. What does it feel like to give them a title this time around? Yeah, no, I was, I was sitting on the bench. I was registered that year. Um, this is awesome. I mean, they deserve it. They've done so much for this program. I mean, Isaiah's anchor of this defense, and Devin's one of the best leaders I've ever I've ever played with. Um, so to give to give them this is, is huge. Red shirting and having to watch that. How frustrating was that for you, knowing that your hands are kind of tied while that game was going on a couple of years ago? I mean, for me, it wasn't as frustrating because I didn't deserve to play. I wasn't ready to play. Um, I was very far off the level I needed to be. Um, so I was just I was just rooting for my team, but I knew I had work to do, um, and I tried to tried to get as much work as I could in that red shirt season. You make a comment like you just made, and, and a lot of people don't say that they're not as honest with themselves. When you said, I wasn't ready, I didn't deserve to play, what was it about that redshirt season that just made you feel like, I need more time, I need to be prepared? I mean, coming to this level of basketball from New Zealand, it's definitely it's getting better at basketball, but it's nowhere near the level of America. Um, I came here to one of the best conferences in America with a really good team, with some great bigs on this team. Uh, I just wasn't ready. My skill, my conditioning, I was too I was too skinny, I was getting pushed around, so I needed to get in the weight room with Coach Curtis, I needed to work on skills, and honestly I used my first two years here to try to get better, because I didn't play my first year of playing. Um, yeah, not many players have that mentality, but I, um, I knew... I knew I had a sense of myself and I knew where I wanted to be and I just wasn't there my first two years. Guys come from overseas all the time. What did you take? I mean, it's a big move. It's not just, I want to go play basketball, but I mean, you're changing your life. You're changing your country. Just what you could say about leaving New Zealand and coming to America and why Virginia ended up being the right fit because you're, it's not like you're going two hours away. I mean, you're taking on, you're taking a plane, you're going over the Atlantic Ocean and you're going to a new country. Yeah, I mean, it's a big jump. It's hard to leave family, friends, and organizations back home that you've become really close with. Um, but I wanted to attend college in America. I wanted to earn my degree over here. I got a, lucky enough to get a full scholarship, so I'm getting my education. At the same time, I'm playing basketball on one of the best stages in the world. Um, so, and of how I got to Virginia, I mean, Coach Bennett used to play in New Zealand. Um, I went on a visit here to Virginia. I loved it, and I committed it at the end of my visit. What, what is it about Tony Bennett that, like you said, he used to play in New Zealand, but besides that, what made him feel like that was the leader you wanted? Um, I mean, I d it's hard to get a gauge of someone within three days, but you really feel like they were sincere. I mean, hanging with the team, you felt like they were real dudes, and he knew people in New Zealand as well, so they would tell me about him. So it was kind of comforting hearing people from my country. Not just not that I have anything against Americans, but like just to hear people in New Zealand say, yeah, no, he's a good dude. It definitely helped me a lot in my decision. He always seems poised. And 
and with that poison, he never seems like he's upset, always seems to be smiling or being calm. Just what you could say about how that helps you all as a team to know that whether you're up or down or whatever's going on, Tony just seems like he knows things are going to be all right. Yeah, I mean, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. That's something he stresses. Um, you can't, if you have a bad game, you can't take that and live with If you have a too good game, you can't think of yourself too highly. And Coach Bennett does a really good job in just keeping you humble. And that's one of our pillars, humility. Um, and I think all the guys on this team embody those pillars really well. And it's pretty, pretty exciting to be on this team. What is your favorite thing about Coach Bennett? Um, just how focused he is. Uh, he never looks at the bigger picture. It's always just right now. What can you do to get better? Whether it's for 15 minutes before practice, like you lock in, try to get better at something, and it's just, it's just really focused and doesn't never, never steps back and says, like, "Oh, look what we've done." It's kind of always in the moment. That coming once again from Jack Salt of the Virginia Cavaliers. So, in today's show of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, you've heard from North Carolina's Luke May and Virginia's Jack Salt. Coming up, you will hear from plenty of players on the Virginia team, including Nigel Johnson, Mamadi Diakite, Ty Jerome, Devin Hall, Isaiah Wilkins, and DeAndre Hunter but not before you hear from Alan Griffin, the assistant coach of the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team, who found out they are dancing this year, and they're going to be doing it in Dayton, Ohio, in the first four in a play-in game as an 11 seed, which is exactly where I had them in my prediction. We'll talk about it in just a moment after this fast break. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. 
For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. It is an honor and a privilege to have the next gentleman on the show. He is no stranger to the broadcast, no stranger to being a part of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and always a pleasure to sit down and speak with, and that is none other than former Syracuse player and former grad assistant, Alan Griffin, who comes back to Syracuse, and all of a sudden Syracuse is back in the tournament. So I said to him off the air, I was like, it's all your fault, Alan. You made it happen. I mean, I don't know what happened here, but obviously you came back. They're in the tournament. You know, we look at parallels of putting things together. So Alan Griffin's here with me on the show live this morning, Syracuse assistant coach, to speak on the team's return after a one-year absence from the NCAA tournament. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, just a great day to be part of the Syracuse family. Uh, got some great, great news yesterday, and uh, look forward to uh, you know marching on. And 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 let's look at that. That good news that you were able to get. Did you have uh, you know bring me into this honestly? Because I know that you know I, I know that obviously as as a member of the team, you want to say that. You know, the, the team's going to get in every single year. But taking a good, hard look at everything, did you feel like Syracuse was deserving of a spot when all kind of shook loose on uh, right before Selection Sunday? Definitely. Um, we felt good uh, about it. Uh, you know, our numbers spoke for itself. Uh, when you put us our numbers up against, you know, the teams that was quote-unquote on the bubble, uh, we were better in, in some areas. And if we weren't better in some areas than those other teams, we were right there, you know, a game or, or something off, just like that. So, uh, basically, I, I, I felt good. We felt good. Uh, we had a great practice yesterday, and uh, we look forward to having a great one today and hitting the plane and headed to Dayton. And you are no stranger of the place they call Dayton. That's where you were before you came to Syracuse. So how strange is this for you to leave Dayton for Syracuse and then be with Syracuse going back to Dayton? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I uh, I played uh, against Syracuse twice while I was at Dayton in the NCAA tournament. Um, that was weird. Uh, this one, you know, obviously we're, going, we're playing against a, uh, a really good uh, team in Arizona State. And uh, it's just exciting times. Uh, they do a really good job with the first four there. Uh, the atmosphere is going to be great. Uh, I think I know we're going to have some really good uh, – we're going to have a lot of Q's fans in the house. And the, the city of Dayton really support good basketball. So it's going to be a great environment and uh, looking forward to it. That coming from Alan Griffin, Syracuse Orange assistant coach. To, to be in Dayton in this first four opportunity, I mean, it's a play-in game, play for the right to be into the tournament. Just what you think about that? I mean, Syracuse has been in situations this year where they, you know, were backs up against the wall type of situation. You know, at Miami, tough, hard-fought win. At Louisville, Virginia Tech at home, Clemson at home, going to the ACC tournament. 
knowing that historically they had not won a game in the ACC tournament and getting that. So they, you know, this team knows what it feels like to have their back up against the wall and maybe not have a ton of belief in them. Just what, you know, you could say about this play-in game and if that's fitting of the season that Syracuse has to play for the right to move forward. Yeah, I think we, it's, you know, it starts from the top, to be honest. Um, you know, Coach Beheim with his leadership, knowing what's at stake, you know, on, on a game-to-game basis, uh, kept our guys focused. Uh, our guys like Frank Howard and Tyus Battle, uh, those guys did a really good job of leading our team and, and getting those guys ready, especially some of the younger guys, ready to play uh, a really good ACC schedule, but also, too, ready to play a non-conference schedule, which I think uh, was the uh, the biggest part of us making the uh, NCAA tournament. So, um, I, I just think that, you know, we're, we've been battle-tested because of our leadership, and it starts from the top with Coach Bayham. And bring me into that, Alan. You said you, you felt like your non-conference is what helped you get into the tournament more than anything else. Uh, you were able to go up against a, a team like Kansas, didn't get the victory over Kansas, but played a, a hard-fought game against them to look outside of that. Um, you know, fell to St. Bonaventure, who made it into the tournament, fell to them in overtime and we're able to beat a team like Buffalo, who's obviously done some good things this season. Uh, Texas Texas Southern made the tournament by winning their bracket. Uh, just just what you could say about, you know, what was it about non-conference that you want to credit non-conference with that? Scheduling. Um, I think our, our guys over here did a great job. I think Kip Wellman deserves a lot of credit uh, just because of scheduling. Uh, we had some really good teams. Now, they might not be as sexy as, you know, you playing Kansas and the Dukes and all those guys in the world, but they were really good teams. And you know what? On any given night, could have came in here and beat us. But they showed that they were good teams because by winning their tournament, their conference uh, tournaments and doing well in their leagues. Uh, so we had a great schedule. Uh, we took care of our business to the, for the most part. And uh, it, it was just – it just was – Everything matched up right, and, and obviously we got that uh, the NCAA bit. Biggest shock of of the tournament ACC-wise, you go up against Louisville, and you beat Louisville, and, and they've had an up-and-down season. Notre Dame got you by two points at home in the Carrier Dome, and they obviously lasted a little bit longer in the ACC tournament. They went 7-8 and eight without having their number one player, Bonzi Colson, for 15 games of the ACC. So when you look back at, at Notre Dame and, and Boston College as well, I mean, you split with them one and one, and they did some good things in the ACC tournament. Did you have any surprises? Were there any teams left off the line for the ACC? I know ACC sent nine, so it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that they were snubbed in any way since there's only 15 schools, but did you feel like any one of those other teams had kind of deserved to have a spot as well, even if it was a play-in game like in the case of Syracuse? You know what? I was just focused on us. Um, you know, when it when it comes to other teams, you know, that's not for me to you know talk about. Uh, the ACC is a phenomenal league. Just being my first year and how hard it is on a game to game basis. There's no easy wins uh, in the ACC. Uh, it's a phenomenal conference. So I, I can't really speak on, you know, if somebody got snubbed or somebody didn't get snubbed. I, I think. Uh, uh, it, Anybody in this league can be anybody in any other league in the country uh, on any given night. And I truly believe that, obviously, going through my first year here. Uh, it's some really good teams. I mean, Boston College, 
uh, had a great end of the year. Uh, they got two great guards, and they, they're young, and they're going to return everybody next year. And they're going to be a team that you know is going to put a lot of people on notice, or already have put a lot of teams on notice. So uh, when it comes to that, you know, snub, not snub, or whatever that is, like I can't really speak on that. I could just speak on you know what we've done and and uh, just how happy I am for our guys here because they deserve it. Jim Beheim had said, speaking here with Alan Griffin, assistant coach of the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team, Beheim had said that he believed like 1% to 2% of the Syracuse fan base believed that this team was going to get into the tournament. You know, he, he's made comments like that before that, you know, from the inside out, you know, we believe in ourselves and sometimes we have that support and sometimes we don't. Just what you can say about what you've seen from him coming back and being with your, your old head coach once again and, you know, the the – belief that he's had in this team you know behind closed doors people don't get to see this the fan base doesn't get to see how he treats these kids how he is around these kids how much he believes in these guys so just what you can say about that well coach is a great leader that's the one thing I, I learned and you know there's there's he has the same demeanor uh across the board with, with everything uh you know he's not too high he's not too low I think he's you know right in the middle uh, and when it came to preparing this team, because it was difficult at times because of injuries, you know, you got guys leave off the team and, you know, and we had our offensive lows at, at the beginning of the season, but coach stuck with the game plan. Uh, and it was a game by game basis. He made sure that our guys went at it in that approach. Uh, and, and, um, it, it was a great, great thing to sit back and, and sit in rooms and, and listen to him and, and, and be around them and see how he prepared, you know, the, the team and, and the program um, moving forward through a lot of adversity. And it was, you know, it was a great thing for me and unbelievable. And this is probably one of my best uh, coaching experiences that I, I've had thus far, just because of the adversity and, and, and the things that went on and, and coach being there and being able to, you know, coach this team to an NC tournament, you know, NCAA tournament bid and, you know, 20 wins. And when we look at 20 wins, Alan, I mean, it's, that's like the magic number that a lot of people consider that's what the committee needs to see. Now, that's not the case with teams like Oklahoma and whatnot this season, but when when you look at 20 wins and a hard-fought 20, I'm not taking anything away from any Syracuse team by stating this because this is respect to those teams and respect to this year's team. I don't believe that in 15 years of professionally broadcasting and writing and being connected with Syracuse, did I ever see a team that got to 20 wins with as little as this year's team had, leaning on a starting five and maybe one guy off the bench here and there, maybe a guy and a half, whatever it may be, because we know Barama hasn't been able to play at full tilt, and I know he's frustrated about that, but that just gives me hope of what's to come because he's had some big games and big moments this season. But to get to 20 this year, to me, has been the most impressive that I've seen out of 15 years of Syracuse basketball. Would you... Would you agree with that? Would you agree that this year's team getting a 20 was was one of the hardest fighting, if not the hardest fighting up to this point? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, Coach should have been up for Coach of the Year this year. Uh, and I seriously can say that with a, uh, uh, with a serious face because uh, this team has its challenges, 
but we were able to, you know, overcome a lot of those challenges and be in every game uh, that we played. You know, played Kansas in a neutral site. Uh, Kansas is a really good team, top 10 team in the country. And we were right there with them, you know, going on the road at Florida State with a chance of winning that game. And Florida State is a pretty good team. Um, you know, playing Carolina at home, having a chance down the stretch, almost winning that game, being right in there with Duke. You know, even so, they pulled away at the end. You know, and we were in every game, and we had our chances to, you know, uh, maybe win some of those games. Uh, and and, um, and that, that's a testament to the coach and his experiences over the years and, and his, you know, the great job he did with this group. Uh, because uh, when you look at it, yeah, we weren't the sexiest at times, but we were, you know, we were efficient. Uh, we got the ball to the right people at the right time at times, and uh, we just made a lot of good things happen for us. Uh, and, and I think, you know, fans out there, when you peel back and you look at this, this year's team when it's all said and done, they have a lot more appreciation for what they accomplished. And, and Alan, before I let you go, I mean, obviously there's, there's going to be the naysayers out there and there's been naysayers all season. We know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention the person's name because I feel like he only speaks. I, I feel like he only says what he says to be relevant so you know we'll call him dg but every single year he seems to hate syracuse more and more and more and he looks like a a jealous ex-girlfriend that's just mad that you're dating somebody new so you know what can you say about people like that that just if syracuse was 25 and whatever they don't deserve it if they're 20 wins they don't deserve it if they have you know what i consider to be six quality wins they don't deserve it and only one bad loss to georgia tech because i don't consider boston college a bad loss because of how well boston college did in the acc tournament you split with bc you know, but but there's people out there that, like I said, I won't say their name because they only speak so that they can, you know, there's broadcasters like myself that try to be intelligent. And then there's broadcasters that say wildly crazy things just so they'll be relevant in society, no matter whether they're hated or infamous or whatever it may be. So, I mean, what can you say to that? That there's people that wake up in the morning and say Syracuse didn't deserve it, but they said this two years ago when I had Syracuse being a special team and they made it to the Final Four and still two years later they're saying Syracuse didn't deserve to get in the tournament and they got in the Final Four because we let them in and yada, 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 and they deserve to send Tom Izzo a thank you card. And I mean, it just seems like it never stops for Syracuse, but that outside noise, just what you can say about the laughable side of that and the fact that there's some people that will remain unnamed that just can't give up their ex-girlfriend, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion. Uh, wh- what matters to us is uh, what matters, you know, what matters to us, uh, so to speak. And what I mean by that is, is that what we do every day, a lot of people don't see it. Uh, yeah, you see the finished product sometimes on the court, but the hard work that these guys uh, uh, put in on a daily basis uh, from the scouting, from, you know, practice, from lifting, from you know, treatments uh, on top of schoolwork and stuff like that. So, you know, guys like like that and whoever wants to speak, I mean, they're going to have their opinions. You know, you just got to keep your blinders on and just keep moving forward. You know, regardless of what he said, he can't stop that we're going to be playing the game on Wednesday night uh, against a really good Arizona State team. So it doesn't matter what he says. What do you know about Arizona State so far? What what have you, what have you kind of, you know, taken up from Arizona State at this point? Uh... You know, great start of the season. Um, 
uh, phenomenal wins. Uh, obviously, at Kansas, I think they beat. Uh, is it? Uh, I forgot. Was it Xavier, Wichita State? One of those two. Um, you know, two top ten wins. Um, you know, struggled a little bit in the um, uh, in, in the, in the Pac twelve. Like, um, so uh, really good offensive team. Uh, fast uh, play likes to run. Uh, uh, it's going to be a good good game, good challenge for us. Got really good shooters, uh, guys who can shoot it from 40 feet out, uh, not just one guy. They got multiple guys. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be challenged in some areas, and we're going to have our work cut out for us. But I think our guys will be up for the challenge. Yeah, and they, they defeated Xavier, and, and they defeated Kansas at Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. And the funny thing is they have the exact same win in com- – or ex- exact same record in conference that you had for Syracuse at 8-10. and 10 in the regular season, and they have just as many wins as you do at 20, 20 wins, and they have 11 losses, but, you know, not not doing a big things in the in the tournament, so to speak, for the Pac-12 as well. So, you know, kind of evenly matched as far as the record shows and, you know, having their big-time wins and, and then having some losses that were questionable, and they finished the, re- the rest of their season going into the NCAA tournament losing five out of the last six games. So, you know, there's ups and downs with – with a bunch of teams that are in the tournament. Uh, before, Lastly here for you, Alan, to to look at the bigs. I mean, obviously that's who you're coaching, that's your room. Pascal Chuku, he's done some some big things. You know, we've spoken about the, you know, his confidence factor and putting the ball on the ground. It has to do with, you know, being confident, feeling good about himself, you know, trusting in his game and whatnot. And, you know, he's been able to do some good things and come up in some big ways in games just just what you could say about him because he's been back and forth up and down where do you see him at this point and then secondly how much of Barama Sidibe do you feel like you can get knowing that this man is is obviously hurting out there you know first to address Barama uh, you know uh, Barama obviously being a freshman he's uh dealing with something that he's probably never experienced before in his life so uh uh it's kind of frustrating to him, but I think in a in a Duke game, I think he have ten rebounds, five offensive, five defensive. He played great in stretches. Obviously, Pascal um, uh, fouling out really uh, gave him an opportunity to go out there and just play through some stuff, and uh, it, it was some uh, it was some positive stuff uh, uh, for for Barama, um, Pascal. Just, uh, just a work in progress. Uh, you, you get those flashes where he plays great, like you know Wake Forest. He was unbelievable for us, um, and, and he's just got to just keep working. I, I think the great thing about this group is, is that they they both know that they still have uh, a lot more improving to do, uh, and they come to work every day. I don't have to beg them to come and, and, and play hard. Uh, they, you know, it's, it's expected every day, especially from Coach Mayhem. And But in my group, these guys, they just go hard every day, and I just can't ask for nothing more. I, I, I think uh, they've improved tremendously from the start to, to now. Uh, sometimes it might not show all the time in the, in, in the, uh, in the stats, but uh, when you look at it uh, from film and, and stuff like that, that, you can see a lot of improvement. When you when you go back to that game that you had against North Carolina, you know obviously uh, the game at inside the Carrier Dome, it was seventy four seventy four, 
and the game's tied, and, and, and obviously Pascal gets the offensive rebound, puts it on the ground, it gets stolen, and, and, and ultimately North Carolina wins. The second time around in the ACC tournament, North Carolina just looked like they dictated the whole thing. What you could say about that, I mean, what do you kind of put your finger on? Because we're coming into tournament time. You know, the team's playing every couple days. When you're playing in the first four, you're playing and then, boom, you're leaving and playing somewhere else and, like, you're getting going. So this is even more of a crucial time period to get ready and and get rolling. Just, Just what you could say about, you know, do you attribute the loss to North Carolina in the quick bounce back and and a team that can really only lean on five guys that are already exhausted and play 40 minutes in a game talking about O'Shea and and Tyus and Frank you know is this a concern of yours and was it a concern in that game and in the ACC tournament or is there something else that you put your finger on for North Carolina in that game that Syracuse lost well Carolina just played great they they did a lot of good things uh against us uh they're a really good team. Uh, we know that. Uh, you can see that, you know, when they play Duke, uh, they, they play great against Duke also, you know, being down at the half and coming back and having a great second half. That's that's what a veteran team does. Uh, so, um, you know, they just were better than us that day. But, you know, this this team, our team, is, is again, like you said earlier in the, in, in, in the uh, interview, uh, we've been battle-tested. Um, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, uh, you know, the, the rest that – you know, we need or anything like that. We just got to go out there and play and take one game at a time. If we can do that, we'll be fine. Uh, we'll be able to compete with whoever we, we you know, come across and it'll start uh, 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 this Wednesday night against Arizona State. And knowing that there's that that quick turnaround, I'm not trying to make you look ahead, but I'm just I just want to state, you know, with this with this quick turnaround coming, that you're in Dayton, Ohio. And then all of a sudden from there, you know, you'd be leaving Dayton and having to move forward to Detroit. Just what you could say about that type of scenario, because it's a unique situation for Syracuse. It's not Syracuse is not, you know, typically a play in team. So just what you could say of if you are to win, how fast you got to turn around and not just that. But, you know, other teams have got to turn around a day after or playing in the same place. You got to go to a different place. So just what you could say about that. Uh, we're just excited to be in, in the tournaments and whatever we have to do to keep moving on. I, I think uh, our guys will be excited to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, you know, that's why you come to Syracuse is to be in these environments. Yeah. Maybe we're not used to playing in the, you know, the first four, but we're used to playing in the NCAA tournament. And this is a NCAA tournament with a chance to get, you know, a first NCAA tournament win. Uh, so um, you, you get excited for that. Uh, so, uh, I don't think that our guys will be thinking about, you know, anything else other than, you know, Arizona State first and foremost. Best thing about this team in closing, what can you say it is? Battle tested. Um, no point intended. <laughs> battle, But uh, we, we battle tested. Um, uh, I think these guys play hard. Uh, and we got great leadership from our, you know, our older guys in terms of Tyson and, and, and Frank. Um, and and um, Coach Beheim has done an excellent job with this team um, in terms of his leadership and, and keeping these guys focused and and, and and keeping our, you know, one game at a time mentality. Um, so I think that's what really got us uh, to where we are right now. And, you know, we're just going to try to continue that and continue to get better. Every day for us, you know, practice day is getting better. We've got so many young kids on this team. Um, 
and and we we need all the practice that we can get and um and uh, just looking forward to uh getting a date and getting practice out there and then um getting ready for the game on uh, wednesday night you better let dave Chappelle know that we're coming uh, I'm, I'm gonna call my guy and see if uh, dave's around if dave's around hopefully he can come and say hello to the guys or something and say hello to this guy right here. So that, that's that's what needs to be done. That coming from Alan Griffin, and uh, Alan, as always, man, I appreciate your time. I will see you in Dayton. This team has given me another place to go to that I've never been, so I'll see you in Ohio in just a little bit. All right. Thanks. All right, man, take care. Bye. Bye. So, Alan Griffin, one more time, Syracuse Orange men's basketball. Give it up for him. Appreciate his time and coming on to the show this morning after after being up and having to do a lot of work. So, you know, this team, once you find out, it's, you know, you cheer, you get excited, you have fun, and then these coaches stay up late at night and they start scouting and seeing what's going on and what they need to know and, and what they got to do to beat this team. So a lot of respect for a guy like Alan Griffin and much appreciation for Alan Griffin and all the work that he does. So thank you to Alan for being on the show. We'll take a quick step aside, and we'll head back to my one-on-one conversations with the ACC tournament champions and regular season champions and the number one overall seed out of 351 schools in America, ranked number one, number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that makes them a number one seed and they won the ACC in the regular season, and they won the ACC tournament. And you will hear from them in our one-on-one conversations in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Pennon Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennon Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. 
It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you, as always, on every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Truly appreciate you tuning in to the broadcast, and as promised in this show, after hearing from Alan Griffin, we're getting back to the Virginia Cavaliers, back in the locker room of the team that hoisted the ACC tournament title after winning the ACC regular season title as well. I had the opportunity to sit down with pretty much the entire team, and you heard from Jack Salt a little bit earlier here of the Virginia Cavaliers. Next up is his teammate, DeAndre Hunter, who hit some big-time free throws down the stretch. This is what he had to say about it. Uh, I was, I was kind of nervous because both of my wrists are kind of messed up right now. Uh, I, injured, I injured this one last game, so I mean, I was kind of nervous. I didn't really shoot much before the game, so I mean, I just had to, my hard work in the offseason and before and after practice, I had to come in right there. Yeah, the nervousness of being in the ACC title game, and like you said, your wrist not feeling that well, just what you did to lock in at that point. I just got to fight through it. Uh, I didn't want to come all this way and not play today. Uh, just had to fight through it with my coaches and with my team. I couldn't let them down by not playing. Being one of the new faces on the team, you definitely made your presence felt with last second shot, with the free throws in this game. Just what you could say about your season so far. Uh, we, we accomplished a lot, but we still have a lot to do. Uh, we're going to celebrate this one, and we're going to get ready for the uh, NCAA tournament. You weren't here for 2016, but a couple years ago, Virginia lost to North Carolina and D.C. Just what you could say about avenging that for the guys here? Uh, we, we had to. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't thinking about that, but I mean, to beat North Carolina any day is a good win. So we had to get a great win today and celebrate it. They brought it down to four points. They brought it down to two. Just what you could say about, you know, defensively what you guys did. And obviously you're known for the defense and you kept them at bay the whole second half. Oh, uh, yeah. I've been saying it all year. Uh, no matter no matter if a team goes on runs or not, we're going to continue to play our game. And that's what we did today. What you can say about being that frustrating defense and continuing to bring that into the tournament? Uh, we like that. Uh, teams don't want to go against us. And I feel like if we keep playing defense the way we can, then we could be really scary in the tournament. And then just with Isaiah Wilkins as well as Devon Hall, just what you could say about what they've done for this team and what they've done for you? Uh, they've done a lot. They lead, uh, including Jack. Uh, they really they, they work so hard, and you have no choice but to follow them. Uh, and whether it's in practice or in the games, they play so hard, Dev plays so hard, Jack plays so hard. You just have to follow in their footsteps and follow them in every game. The game's close, and Tony Bennett never looks like he's not smiling out there. Just what you could say about his poise and how that helps you guys to stay poised. Uh, that helps us a lot. Uh, he's really poised. Ty's really poised. Everyone's really poised because we know that eventually we're going to get what we need and we never really feel like we're out of the game. That coming from DeAndre Hunter of the Virginia Cavaliers. DeAndre Hunter coming up with big-time free throws down the stretch. And 
telling me right there that both of his wrists were hurt. He had one taped, then had the other taped. Both wrists hurt in this game, yet he finds a way to knock down big-time free throws, let alone play in a game with two injured wrists to make free throws down the stretch that ultimately help you win the game. That's Baller right there. And that's DeAndre Hunter. And that's poise. And that's belief. And this man, I mean, he had ice all over his hand. He had been playing with a, with pain you know, you think about that. Everybody's looking at these kids saying, well, you got to win the game, got to win the game, got to win the game, got to win the game. Don't care how you do it. Just win the, win, win the game, win the game, win the game, win the game. You don't think about the fact that this guy could be running up and down the floor with his hands just like literally just like sharp pain shooting through his hands the whole time. Then he gets asked to shoot free throws. There's something about when you believe in yourself and you shut out all the outside noise, just how amazing the world can be. DeAndre Hunter showed that. Up next is Mamadi Diakite, his teammate, about beating North Carolina. Anytime you do that, it's a good day. This is what Mamadi had to say in response to that, which is which was said by one of his teammates. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a pretty talented and really good team and experienced too. So we thought we did a pretty good job. I mean, they were hitting some tough shots, but uh, we're able to because we really proud, take pride of our defense. But we think we thought we did we did we executed well defensively. Sometimes we had some break breakdowns, you know, and we took advantage of the, those. And offensively, we thought we we had some pretty good shots, some open looks. No, no. Uh, Nigel Johnson was able to, you know, get to the paint, to touch the paint and pass it and reverse the ball. Some of the shots weren't going in, but most of them went in. So, yeah. It was a four-point lead by you guys at halftime. Yeah. And then they came within two, they came within four, came within three. They kept making it close, but you never let them get the advantage in the second half. Just what you could say about what we've spoken about before is being that frustrating defense and taking care of business. Yeah, we also, you know, we, we play at our own place. Yeah. So that's one thing also that we did today. We weren't overwhelmed because they were coming back slowly. So we, we just try to make sure we execute what we went through during prior uh, work. Uh, walk through and more uh, in practice and everything before the game. DeAndre said that both of his wrists were bothering him in this game, but he said yeah. he, he wanted to play. He said, I didn't come this far to sit out. He, he made big-time free throws down the stretch. Yeah. Is what you can say about him. Yeah, I mean, like I can say, everyone in this team wants to contribute. And when you don't contribute, you get you actually get mad at yourself because you it's a big, you know, it's a big, it's a family. Yeah. And you, you want to do it so much. You want to be, like, helping. You want to get, you want to get the back of you want to be you want to you want to help your 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 brothers so that's what really sticks to stick to us during the whole process of like the tournament and the season North Carolina was talking about dictating the pace and yeah. they said that they know you guys are 30 seconds you want to take off the clock and, and they want to be 10 to 15 just what you could say about winning that battle of dictating pace well first we we made sure we get back no transition no, no easy buckets if the, the they had to get anything they could just get it from uh, you know a, a set play or whatever they get you know but uh, that was the number one thing but you just didn't want to allow easy stuff because that leads you to you know trying to come back and trying to win the game and it's even harder that way and lastly for me we know that you're a personality you're dancing there at the end of the game just yeah. what you could say about the feelings going through you and just being a part of this team that has been called consistently a family yeah I mean 
like I just say, it's a unity thing, you know. We we have fun together. We do everything together. When, it, when we, if we lose, we lose together. You know, we don't we don't pull aside. No one pulls aside. Like uh, we're we're a bad team because we lost again. But we're, we're we're always you know in one unit. So that's not something that people should even question. Congratulations. Thank you. Mamadi Diakite coming up right there on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. My one-on-one sit-down conversation with Mamadi. Got to spend a good amount of time with him at the ACC tournament. Appreciate all his hard work and everything that he put forward. And, you know, I, this I mean, this team, just phenomenal. I mean, you, you go into a locker room and, and you see these guys that, that are out there and, you know, just proud of one another and proud of what they're doing. And they got the hats on and they have a piece of the net that's tied in a knot to the hat, and they got the T-shirt on, and they're smiling. I mean, I've gotten to see that with Syracuse, and I've gotten to see that with other teams like North Carolina and now Virginia. So, you know, you just have a lot of respect and appreciation for that and for young men going out there and living their dreams and, and young women as well going out and doing the same thing. I mean, I mean, Brianna Stewart with North Carolina – or North Carolina, with UConn, my head was thinking UC, and then I put an N in there. So with uh, Brianna Stewart with UConn and, and what she did before UConn when she was at CNS and now with the Seattle Storm, you know, it, it's just, it's amazing. It really is. It's truly amazing, remarkable. Quentin Hillsman and the Syracuse women's basketball team in recent history that had never been to a Sweet 16, never been to a Elite Eight, never been to a Final Four, never been to a championship game, and did every single one of those things in one season alone just a couple years ago. So, you know, it's it's just amazing to see what people can do, whether or not you believe that they could do it. And like I said, there's some jealous ex-girlfriends out there when it comes to Syracuse, and that's okay. You know, you got to leave the personal at home. You have to be an impartial broadcaster. And I know some people look at me and say, well, Dan, you're not impartial. You're always positive about Syracuse. That doesn't make me partial. Being a positive person, trying to find a silver lining... That's me being sane. That's me not wanting to run around and kill everybody in the world, okay? You can't be a negative person. You got to be a positive person. And it is a struggle sometimes to be a positive person. Don't get me wrong. But to go out into this world and say, well, you're positive, so you're partial. You're positive. You always think highly, so you're... No. If I said Syracuse is going to win every game this year, then you could call me partial. Then you could say that I'm not doing my job. But this 20-win team, I had them in as an 11-seed play-in game. I had them in, but prove you're... I had them in, but prove that you should be in. Like, you're in, kinda, because you gotta prove it from here. I believe that they had done enough to get in to a play-in game. And that's exactly where they are. But for people to disrespect Syracuse and say nothing of Oklahoma... Nothing that Syracuse is 20 and 13 and Oklahoma is 18 and 13. Syracuse did not have any type of a losing streak like Oklahoma did. Syracuse did not lose in the first round of their tournament for the, you know, inside of conference play. Oklahoma got in because Trey Young is on the team. If there's no Trey Young, no guy leading the country in two different categories, then there's no Oklahoma in the tournament. To say that Oklahoma played a good half of their season, they played a good first half of the season. If that was the case, Syracuse should have got in last year. If Syracuse played a good half of their season. If there's 351 schools, you got to pick 68, and the NCAA selection committee chair is saying you only have to play a good half of your season, then St. Mary's should have been in. Notre Dame should have been in. Middle Tennessee should have been in. What are we talking about? 
So don't put, don't go crazy about Syracuse and keep your mouth shut about Oklahoma. And Syracuse got to 20. Oklahoma had the same, Oklahoma had the record that Syracuse had last year when Syracuse didn't get in. So to say that Syracuse doesn't deserve it this year, but Oklahoma does, or that, you know, and when you, to say that they didn't deserve to get in when 18 and 13, they didn't get in last year and 18 and 13 Oklahoma gets in this year. What are you trying to say? Syracuse got to 20 this year. Oklahoma did not. Oklahoma and Syracuse, same record. Syracuse in 2000. Okay, let me rephrase here so I don't confuse everybody. Last season, Syracuse finished the regular season 18 and 13. This season, Oklahoma finishes 18 and 13, trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Syracuse did not get in last year with 18 and 13. Oklahoma got in this year with 18 and 13. A few years ago when Syracuse went to the NIT, there were teams that got in that had between 17 and 19 wins. Duke and Indiana, they both lost in the first round. But they got in over Syracuse who had 20. So, you know, anybody that's arguing Syracuse doesn't deserve this, doesn't deserve that, shouldn't have this, shouldn't have that, they always get in when they're not supposed to. Really, bro? They always get in? They always get in. Well, they didn't get in last year. And they didn't get in a few years ago when they got to 20. So realize reality, real see real, and understand what the truth of the matter is. Is that every single year, somebody gets in because of some reason that might have nothing to do with their record. Might have nothing to do with what they did for half of the season, allegedly, with Oklahoma. So, yes. Syracuse got in by the skin of their teeth. Do I think St. Mary's should have got in? Absolutely. I would have put them in over Texas. Do I think the Middle Tennessee should have got in? Yes. I, it was very hard for me to say no to them. They were all playing games. St. Mary's was a playing game for me. Middle Tennessee was a playing game. Syracuse was a playing game. Arizona State. They were all playing games. They were all playing games. So I'm right there with you for people that are pissed off about Middle Tennessee and pissed off about St. Mary's. But don't get pissed at Syracuse about that. Don't get mad at Syracuse about that. Oklahoma State has one more win overall. They have 19 and Oklahoma has 18. What was that 19th win? That's when Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. So don't talk to me about how Oklahoma State should be in over Syracuse. Talk to me about Oklahoma State should be in over their Big 12 foe, Oklahoma. Just in the conference alone, there's 19 wins for OK State. There's 18 for Oklahoma. That 19th win, the one win of separation was when OK State bumped Oklahoma out of the Big 12 tournament. So there's your thing right there. If you got them both on a sheet of paper and you're trying to decide who's going to get in, OK State beat Oklahoma head-to-head to end the season before the NCAA tournament starts. Where is the question? That is literally, okay, if they're tied, what's the head-to-head tiebreaker? That was the head-to-head tiebreaker, the literal sense of a head-to-head tiebreaker, and it didn't work. That ain't That is not Syracuse's fault. That is not Syracuse's fault. The committee's got to answer why OK State doesn't get in when they beat Oklahoma. That, to me, makes no sense. And if we go back and we take a look at it, let's. Go, I want to go to the Big 12. Let's do that right now. Just for fun. So if we go to the Big 12 and take a look here, let's get into OK State. By the way, a lot of teams that got in had the same record as Syracuse in their conference at eight and ten, and Oklahoma. And you know, so we look at that. 
Now, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both had that. But let's look at head-to-head. Let's just look at head-to-head. Let's have some fun, right? So, Oklahoma State played Oklahoma three times this season. And they beat them two out of three times. So, describe to me why. Describe to me why. Oklahoma State is not in, but Oklahoma is in. Describe to me why Oklahoma State is not in this thing. They have a 2-1 and one record over Oklahoma. 2-1 and one record over Oklahoma. Same record in the conference at 8-10, and 10, so you can't be like, well, Oklahoma had a... No, they're both 8-10 in the conference. Oklahoma State finishes 19-14. and 14. Oklahoma's 18-13. and 13. Head-to-head, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma 2-1. Two to one. And what have you done for me lately? Beat them... They went 2-0 and after losing to them earlier on in the season. They beat Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is fourth ranked in the nation. Yet everybody's saying Oklahoma had such, not everybody, but the committee's saying Oklahoma had such a good start to their season, then how could we? They beat TCU. They beat Wichita. They beat USC, who didn't make it. Okay, let's talk about the string of games that they won, okay? They beat Omaha, didn't make it. They beat Ball State, didn't make it. Lost to Arkansas, who made it, but that's a loss. Beat Portland, who didn't make it. Beat Oregon, who didn't make it. Beat North Texas, who didn't make it. Beat Texas San Antonio, who didn't make it. Beat USC, who didn't make it. Wichita State made it. Beat Northwestern, North, what is this? Northwest State? Northwestern State, okay. They won that game. They didn't make it. Beat Northwestern. They didn't make it. TCU, they made it. Oklahoma State didn't make it. Lost to West Virginia, who made it. Beat Texas Tech, who made it. Beat TCU, who made it. Lost to Kansas State, who made it. Lost to Oklahoma State, who didn't make it. Beat Kansas. They did get that win over Kansas. Lost to Alabama, who made it. Beat Baylor, who didn't make it. Lost to Texas, who made it. Lost to West Virginia again, who made it. Lost to Iowa State, who didn't make it. Lost to Texas Tech another time around, who made it. Lost to Texas, who made it. Lost to Kansas the second time around, who made it. Beat Kansas State, who made it. Lost to Baylor, who didn't make it two times now. Beat Iowa State, who didn't make it. And lost to Oklahoma State. I mean, you could go up and down that Oklahoma thing 137 times, and you can't tell me that Syracuse is like this big, terrible, oh my gosh, how did it happen? How did they get in? Oh, hold the presses. Somebody's going to go crazy. I mean, this to me, it's it's insane. It's insane that anybody can argue Oklahoma in and Syracuse out. Yeah, St. Mary should be there. Yeah, Middle Tennessee should be there. Yeah, Oklahoma State should be there. Not Oklahoma. And Syracuse got to 20. And there are a bunch of teams in there that got to 20 and stayed at 20. So I'm always here to have a conversation. Let's back it up with some justifiable factual information and not just an opinion about I don't like Syracuse, so they shouldn't be in. That's not a good enough opinion. I have nothing against Oklahoma at all. I have no qualms against Oklahoma. I'm literally just looking at their record and looking at the situation saying I don't get it. I have no qualms against Oklahoma at all whatsoever, point blank, and the period. Coming up next here in the conversation, get back to my Virginia one-on-one discussion because we will end the show out with my bracket. We'll go throughout the entire bracket 
and I'll give some immediate thoughts that I see from it, and we'll be breaking it down throughout the throughout the uh, next couple days here as we head into the NCAA tournament. But I want to get back to my one-on-one conversations and Isaiah Wilkins avenging 2016 when he and Devin Hall were on the Virginia team that lost to North Carolina in the ACC title game in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I think it's a different team, different team. So um, it's obviously different. But we just, I wasn't thinking about that coming in, and I don't think anybody else was. And we were just able to pull this out tonight, and that's what that's what means a lot right now. Ty said that Devin said to him they were watching film on the game a couple years ago last night, and he just leaned into him and said, "Not again." Just what you could say about you know you guys getting on the right side of things in this one. Wait, what Devin say? Devin said, "Not again" to Ty. Oh yeah, <laughs> I hope no, I hope Devin said that to him. They watching it. No man. Um, it's just a confident group. It starts with Dev, and I'll echo what he says, but, you know, go from there. What is it about this team that you guys have been able to do? I mean, you've only lost a couple games, probably the top seed in the NCAA tournament. Just what you could say about this team and how everybody bought in this year? I mean, that's, I think that's exactly it. Everybody's bought in. Um, there's no nothing going on in the outside or anything like that. We believe in each other. So it's a family, and I, I won't let that change. DeAndre stepped it up. He said both of his uh, wrists were bothering him, yeah. but he had to get in there and make those free throws. He said, I didn't come all this way to not play. Just yeah. what you can say about him. He got to put his, his hands in rice. <laughs> no, but... Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dre. I just insulted you. I'm sorry. No, I, he's a big-time player, and he stepped up and made big-time shots. And I'm really happy he did because he was, you know, I was stressed out. So, yeah. And then as far as you and Devin, just what you could say about taking this road together and just what this this team has meant to you guys and where you are right now. Yeah, it's, that's my guy, man. We've, we've grown together, played together, you know, since the first game at JMU. Um, I've learned from him. He learned from me. We, we battle, you know, we argue, we fight, but that's my dog. And I love him, so it's always special to do it with somebody like that. Same with him, even though he retrained his first year. Um, <laughs> I don't, he's my roommate on the road. I would change that if I could, but uh, it's my dog. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora following that conversation with Isaiah Wilkins, who in 2016 knew what it felt like to go to the ACC tournament finale and lose to North Carolina. This time he knows what it feels like <clears throat> to go to the ACC tournament and win. And the last two conversations that I want to get to before, well, I want to get to Nigel Johnson, and then I want to get to these last two. So let's take a quick step aside here for a fast break. We'll come back with Nigel Johnson, and then we'll go to Ty Jerome and Devin Hall because their conversations are connected for a, a conversation that they actually had. So the conversations I had with them have to do with a conversation that they had with each other, and you'll find out what that is coming up in just a moment here after this fast break. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base 
for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt.com. DT, if you haven't become a member, make sure you do so today by going to mixlr.com backslash DT and get yourself that membership for free, which will link you to the live show. You can chat with me in the live chat room every time the show goes live, and you'll be emailed when the show goes live, so you'll never miss a live broadcast again. Click right through your email, and you're listening to the show automatically. So make sure that you become a member today. And that you also subscribe to wakeupcalldt.com for updates on articles that are written as well as the show archive and videos and everything that we do. Very, 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 very thorough sports information website. So make sure that you go to wakeupcalldt.com and have yourself some fun. Always plenty to look at. And if you go on wakeupcalldt.com's homepage, you can get all the shows on demand by going to the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and the downloadable app powered by Podbean. Click on any one of those and you will see every single... There's 886 and there's going to be plenty more. We'll probably hit 1,000 very soon here. So thank you to that and thank you to the over 100,600 and something downloads that we have had as well as what is to come. So God bless and much appreciation to you for that. With that being said, let's get back into my one-on-one conversations. Today's morning menu was going to go from Alan Griffin to North Carolina to Virginia. So you're going to hear from Alan, and then you're going to hear from all of the players that I had spoken to in the ACC tourney finale and then get into the bracket. But we had to kind of mix and match today as scheduling changes and things go on. 
with, you know, obviously Syracuse preparing. So you heard from Luke May of North Carolina, as well as Jack Salt of Virginia. Then Alan Griffin came on live, Syracuse assistant coach. And then we went back to my one-on-one conversations with the Virginia Cavaliers, sprinkled into that conversation on the bracket. Coming up next here is Nigel Johnson of the Virginia Cavaliers and knocking down early shots and what he had to say about that in the ACC tournament finale. Uh, I mean, it felt good to be able to come in and, and see my first couple fall, and that just kept me going for the rest of the game. I mean, it was a championship game, so you got to make everybody has to make championship plays. And I mean, I feel like everybody did that, and, and that's why we came out with the win. When you look at the depth of this team, from Isaiah to to Devin to Mamadi to DeAndre to yourself to Jack, and and so on and so forth, you know, Ty and whatnot. Just what you could say about how this team really is, like you said, people got to make championship plays and it seemed like in this game everybody did that? Uh, I mean, it just shows how much we've been preparing for it and how ready we are and and how we don't let the moment be too big and we just go ahead and take advantage of it while we can. I mean, we everybody went out there and from the jump we was just ready to go at it and, and ready to take it to them. And, I mean, take my hat off to North Carolina. They played a great game and made a lot of big shots. And uh, Fortunately, we came out on top and, and made a couple more plays at the end and made our free throws. I think we was only missed like two or three free throws on the night as a team. So, I mean, we did, did all the little things and did what we had to do to come out with the win. Yeah, it was in the last two minutes and 56 seconds, no field goals for you guys, but nine made free throws. Just what you could say about the importance of the charity stripe and how you all stayed calm, especially DeAndre. Uh, I mean, it just it shows how, how much we were ready to win, how much we wanted it. I mean, DeAndre hit six or seven free throws down at the end of the game, and, and we could count on him and everybody else that went to the line to, to get it done. So, uh, yes, sir. So, I mean, um, I mean, it's just one thing you have to do to win games is make free throws as a team, and we did that, so came out with the win. Tony Bennett said at the beginning of the season that this was going to be a new challenge for him with some of the guys that were transferring out and new faces coming in and whatnot. Just what you could say about the challenge of this season and how you guys responded to that challenge. Um, I mean, every every season a challenge when you, you don't really know what you, what you have, and I mean, I feel like we entered the call and we, 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 we went at the challenge head on, and I mean, I feel like we've been doing a good job, but what is it, 29-1 and one or 30-1, and one, I mean, 30-2, and two, so I mean, I mean, I feel like we're definitely headed where we want to go, and like I said, we still got one championship to get, so we're just trying to, to keep working and, and keep preparing for that one. Following that conversation with Nigel Johnson, I head into my conversation with Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome, and like I told you, Ty Jerome my conversation coming up with him and the one with Devin Hall are connected to one another because of a conversation that they had with each other going into the ACC tournament game. So you're going to hear the one-on-one interviews with both of these guys and listen into the conversation because they both brought it up without me having to say a word about it. They both brought up the conversation themselves at separate times when I was in the locker room following them hoisting the trophy in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York for the ACC tournament title. Here is Ty Jerome about keeping UNC at bay, being up by four at halftime, and then as close as UNC came, even to one possession, they never let him take the lead. This is what Ty had to say about that. Um, they're a great team. They really are. Everyone in this league is super good. So when you're playing an ACC championship, you got to expect people to make runs, especially a team like that. So we expected it a little bit. I mean, tried to do everything we can to avoid it, but we expected it. So we had to stay poised and just keep doing what we do throughout the whole game. I spoke to your teammates about two things, two words that I think adequately describe what you guys do, frustrating and discipline. Just what you could say about those two things. I mean, discipline, I mean, that's the, that's the first thing that comes with this program. Everyone wants to, you know, come into college. Everyone wants freedom. Everyone 
love freedom, but if you're not disciplined, you'll never get the right freedom here. So everyone has to buy in, and everyone does a great job of that. So that's when that, that that's why that, that discipline piece plays, plays in. And frustrating is is our goal. Every, coming in every game, we want to make every we want to make the team earn every shot they get. And if they hit tough shots the whole game, we'll tip their hat. We'll tip our hat to them. But if, I mean, we gotta make every team do that every game. Guys like Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins, who would have felt like a couple of years ago in D.C. to lose this championship game to North Carolina. Just what you could say about avenging that for the guys. I mean, Dev's my roommate, so we were in the hotel last night. We watched the end of the game. Dev turned to me and said, last time I lost in the chip, so not again tomorrow. So it's probably a great feeling for him right now. Speak about the family aspect of this, the brotherhood of it all, just how close you guys are. Mom and he said, hey, if we lose, we're going to lose together. We win, we win together. Just what you could say about you don't lose a lot, but no matter what happens, that you do it together. He sounded up perfectly, honestly. Um, you know, we lost place this year, um, so fortunately not, not a lot, but still, I mean, we lose together every, every, every after those two losses, we were the same, same we were the same, same amount, you know, united. You know, we got breakfast together the next day, we came into practice the next day, we watched films together, no one, no one had their head down, so it's a, it's a special group like that. Tony Bennett said going into the season that this is going to be a new challenge because there are guys who are transferring out of the program, new faces coming in and whatnot. Just what you could say about if you felt from the beginning that this was going to be a special team or if you guys kind of built into that? I mean, I think we always knew this could be a special team. Um, we knew it, and I think you guys didn't know it, but we knew it. What was it about this team, maybe in the practices, locker room and whatnot, hanging out together, that you saw that the, there was something special kind of brewing with this team? Just how important everybody was, how close everybody was off the court. That's not, I mean, I don't think that's how it is everywhere. Um, you know, we eat together almost every meal, honestly. Um, so it's, it's a special group on and off the court. And then lastly for me, just Coach Bennett, what you could say about him, no matter what happens, he seems like he always has a smile on his face, seems poised and relaxed. How does that help you guys stay poised? It helps us. I mean, every day. I mean, his motto before every game is, you know, give it your best and live with it. So he wants us to play free, play sound, play discipline, but play free. That coming once again from Ty Jerome of the Virginia Cavaliers. And my final conversation with Virginia following their ACC tournament title is with Devin Hall and fittingly with Devin Hall as he had to wait his turn on this team. And earlier on, or at the end of last week, I should say, you heard my live broadcast from Brooklyn, New York, and speaking with Devin Hall about his time and having to wait his time and just what he could say about coming up in the program. Well, it's only fitting that I spoke to a guy who was getting a couple minutes a game and was sitting at his locker room sometimes not having anybody go out and interview him to the guy who's now a leader of this team about this avenge moment where in 2016 they lost in the championship game to North Carolina in the ACC tournament finale. This time around they saw North Carolina again, and this time they took the trophy. Just what he could say about having that avenge moment. Yeah, um, I actually had a conversation with Ty, and uh, we watching the, we watching the Duke UNC game last year. And I said, uh, when Duke, when we found out UNC won, I said, uh, I lost to them uh, what two years ago. I said I lost to them two years ago. Can't let that happen again. I won't let that happen again. And we, uh, I mean, so um, I mean, obviously this this moment is amazing, man. It feels great. So uh, be able to get that is one under my belt. Um, I'll definitely remember this forever, of course. Devin, you know, obviously the leadership that you've had on this team. Just what you can say about you and Isaiah. I mean, you get to ho hoist this hardware and yeah. you're both seniors and yeah. now you know what it feels like to be champions in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels great because the experience that we had and, you know, um, the, the you know the um, the gratification that we can, we, we can experience now. So uh, it, it feels great, man. Just what you could say to Wahoo Nation at this point. Thank you. Thank you, Wahoo Nation.
Nation for all the support you've done up up this far, man. They uh, up to this you know up to this point, uh, they've been amazing. The, the fan base has been amazing, and they give us our energy, man. I should just keep it up, keep it up uh, going forward in this NCAA tournament. And that coming once again from Devin Hall. I want to thank all the Virginia Cavaliers who gave me an opportunity to speak with them. I believe I spoke with every single player in that ACC tournament game that played except for Kyle Guy, who I had spoken to the game before. So pretty much everybody in the locker room that had playing time for Virginia was on the show at some point from Brooklyn into this morning. And like I said, in the ACC tournament finale, having the opportunity to speak with so many of the Virginia players in their locker room as they had pieces of the net and had their hats on and the shirts on and the trophy there. I want to thank Devin Hall, Ty Jerome, Nigel Johnson, Isaiah Wilkins, Mamadi Diakite, and DeAndre Hunter, as well as Jack Salt for being a part of the show. And I want to thank leading scorer on the other side, Luke May of North Carolina, who's got nothing to be ashamed of on his end for what he's been doing. I want to thank Luke May for being a part of the show of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And, of course, Alan Griffin of Syracuse, one of their assistant coaches and former player. I want to thank him for being a part of the show as well. With that being said, it's time to take a look at the bracket. I'm going to be doing this throughout the next couple days, and I will be unveiling my bracket coming up this week. But I want to take the time right now to just give you some thoughts on on what my takeaways were on the teams that made it and the teams that didn't make it. So let me go to my bracketology so I can give you some thoughts on how things kind of shook out and went down. You know my feeling on Oklahoma. I didn't think that they should have been in this thing. They made it. I got 34 out of 36 at-large correct, because I, and I refused to put Oklahoma in. No matter what, you know, because the thing is, it's like, well, you know they're going to put them in, so just put them in. That's not how I do it. I do my bracketology based on where I think teams should be seated, or what teams I think should get in as at-large. Now, there's 32 automatic bids, the 32 conference tournament champions, and then there's 36 at-large, which are teams that are chosen that didn't win their conference tournament that don't have an automatic bid. So I break it down, and I say, okay, here's my 32 teams that are guaranteed a spot. Where would I put them, seeds 1 through 16? Here's my 30, and here's 36 teams I think are going to make it, and then secondly, where do I think they're going to get seeded? Well, my top four seeds, my my number one seeds were all correct, Virginia, Villanova, Kansas, and Xavier. Xavier and Kansas, I think, are your ones that you could have argued out. Virginia is the number one overall. They're going to make it no matter what because they won their conference tournament, they won the regular season, they did this, that, and the other, they're going to be in. Villanova's going to be in because they won their conference tournament, they've had a hell of a season. Kansas been up and down and around the corner, but, you know, when you see some of the teams that were losing, you had to give it to Kansas. And Xavier getting it, I think they're the weakest, number one, but they get in. Uh, Number two seed, Cincinnati. You know that I cover the American Athletic Conference. Very, very proud of Cincinnati for getting a two seed. It shows a lot of respect for the conference, maybe more respect than people thought that they had because Cincinnati's been ranked high this season and they got a number two seed. I thought Michigan was deserving of a two seed for winning the Big Ten and not Duke. This is one of those situations where I think Duke won because of their history. Duke got a two seed, not necessarily because they had deserved a two seed, but they got a two seed because the committee likes Duke. I mean, we call it what it is. Duke gets in when they win 18, 19 games in a season. Duke, I mean, I really think that Duke could go 0 and whatever and still get in the tournament because the committee would find a reason to put them in. So Duke makes it into this thing. And I'm just stating an obvious fact. If you look at Duke and where they're seated, like I said, 
I do my projections based on body of work and what I think is fair. This is not a partial thing. And, and, and that's the thing, like I said before, for people that think that I'm partial to Syracuse, I put them in a play-in game. That's like the most impartial you can be when putting a team in from the city that you came from is to say, well, they have to play in for their right to have that spot outright to play the team in the round of 64. So, you know, obviously I stated my case there that Syracuse was good enough to get in, but still has some work to do. I would say that that's a very impartial view if you asked me. If I made Syracuse a number one seed, yeah, you can go you can go crazy on me. But for the people that think that Syracuse didn't deserve to be in, I'd love for them to have a conversation with me about that. I put Michigan as a two seed and not Duke. My other two seeds were all right. North Carolina, Purdue, Cincinnati, they were all correct. So the only one was Duke, and I refused to put Duke there because I didn't think that they had earned the right to be there. To be completely honest with you, I don't think they earned the right to be there. They lost to North Carolina, and North Carolina played in the championship game for the ACC tournament, and I figured that that was a separation. I didn't think they should be on the same line with one another. As far as three seeds, I had Arizona as a three seed. Really the only team out of the Pac-12 that was like definitely going to the tournament. I had Duke as a three seed, as you know. Those two didn't, didn't get put there. Michigan State as a three. I moved them to a three. I had them in an arguable one. But some things that happened in the tournament, in the uh, conference tournaments, obviously changed my mind with that stuff. And Tennessee is a three seed. I was correct on that. I thought Tennessee deserved to be the highest seed out of the SEC. Four seeds, Gonzaga and Wichita State were correct. I had Texas Tech up here. So I had them as a four seed. I didn't. I, I had them between three and four. And I was going back and forth and hemming and hawing about it. So, you know, some of these projections that I have wrong are off by one number. You know, I had somebody as a four and they got in as a three. It's not like I had them as a 10 and they're a two. So, you know, there's some close bets when you're doing these projections. I had West Virginia as a four as well. You could have argued them to a five. Clemson and Kentucky were the ones I had right as five seeds. TCU I had as a six seed and I bumped them up. They end up being a six seed and this is kind of ironic. Uh, Houston I had as a six seed coming out of the American Athletic. That was correct. My seven seeds, I had Rhode Island higher than I think uh, some other people had out there. I didn't have them drop. I mean, I know they lost to Davidson in the A-10 tournament finale, but it wasn't enough for me to take them off of the top seven. I had them as a five, and I put them down to a seven. That's where they ended up. I had Texas A&M as a seven there as well. I had to bump Seton Hall up because I thought that they would have a better spot, but they end up on the 8-9 line, which is usually where they're at. 8 seed that I had right, Missouri. 9 seed that I had right was Florida State. Here's the funny thing about it. The 8-9 seeds I always consider interchangeable because I think it's one of the closest matchups, if not. Well, you know what? I do. I consider it the closest matchup of the round of 64. So here's the funny thing about it. The 8 seeds are Creighton, Kansas State, Virginia Tech, Alabama, right? So I have Virginia Tech, Creighton, Alabama, all these teams, when you take a good hard look at everything between the eight, nine seeds, if I didn't have them at eight, I had them at nine. If I didn't have them at nine, I had them at eight. And the committee literally just flip-flopped them with me. Like Missouri and Florida State were correct. And then NC State, I thought, you know, would be in a little bit different of a placement. I thought they'd be a little bit higher in that sense. Uh, the 10 seeds, these are the ones that I struggle with in my predictions. I had Marshall, Kansas State, Nevada, and Arizona State. 
And these changed up a little bit here. The 10 seeds by the committee were Texas, who I didn't have in the tournament. I didn't think they did enough. Butler, who I had as an 8-9. Providence, who I had as an 8-9, who I had moved up a little bit. And Oklahoma, who I didn't think should be in. And if they were in, would be in a play-in game. But I would have put Oklahoma State in that play-in game. So I don't understand how Oklahoma gets on the 10 line, which means that Syracuse should have been on the 10 line as well. 11 seeds, including playing games. I had Notre Dame, who I think got snubbed. St. Mary's, Oklahoma State, Middle Tennessee, all the teams that got snubbed. And I had Davidson there as well with Syracuse. 12 seeds, I had Bucknell, San Diego State, Buffalo, New Mexico State. New Mexico State was correct. Buffalo, I moved up in the 11th hour. I had them as the 13, and they are a 13 seed. I thought that they would go up maybe just a little, but throughout the entire week of my bracketology, the last few days, I had Buffalo as a 13 seed, so I understand why they put them there. UNC Greensboro, I had them right as a 13 seed. Wright State as a 14 seed. I thought that some other teams would be a little bit higher. Lipscomb, who I had moved to a 15 from a 16, they end up being there. And I got pretty much all my 16 seeds correct. LIU, Brooklyn, NC Central, UMBC, and Texas Southern, all 16 seeds. And like I said before, accurately predicting last season, 35 of the 36 at-large bids. This season, 34 out of the 36. So in the last two seasons of the 36 at-large seeds, out of those 72 at-large bids, I've gotten 69 of them correct. And it would have been 70 out of 72 if I put Oklahoma in be based on thinking about the committee and this and that. But like I told you, I don't do things based on the committee. I do things based on what I think is the right way to go. And if I was making the bracket, you know, what I could argue and what I couldn't argue. And I went back and forth with, can I put Syracuse in without putting Middle Tennessee in? And I didn't agree with that. So I had Syracuse on the line and was deciding, who do I put in, Syracuse or Middle Tennessee? And I found a way to have them both. So that's really how it shook out for me in that respect. So that's a look at the bracket for you and a look at what I did and why I did it. All of all of my at-large bids, Sands 2, were correct, like I just mentioned. And my seating was a little bit different, but usually off by a line, either a, a 4 being a 5, a, a 7 being an 8, an 8 being a 9, a 9 being an 8, something around that region. So nothing too egregious, nothing too drastic of a change between myself and the committee. With that being said, this is today's broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Join us tomorrow morning, Tuesday, March 13th. We will be on from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, where I will unveil to you my entire bracket. Whoa. So we're going to we're going to do the bracket tomorrow. I will be unveiling to you my entire bracket for the NCAA tournament. I'm just going to do it. See, I think too much when I do my bracket, so I've been filling it in a little bit here and a little bit there. I'm going to be just like running through this thing like crazy. So, I got to just trust my gut and go with what I feel and fill out my bracket. So, my bracket will be set Make sure that you put your bracket into the Wake Up Call Bracket Challenge by going to the Yahoo Tourney Pick'em and going to Find a Group. And if you go to Find a Group, you can click on Wake Up Call that way. So you could go to the Yahoo Tourney Pick'em and then click Find a Group, and then you'll see Wake Up Call with the Syracuse logo. You could click on that to join us there, to join the group and enter your bracket. Or you could go to Group 9345, or you could just go on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT and on Twitter at Call DT and just follow the link there and sign up. And for those of you that already 
have an email connected with the wake up call bracket challenge. You have been sent an email. So make sure you check your junk mail just in case, because some of them get sent there. So check your mail and make sure you sign up this morning for the wake up call bracket challenge. And thank you to everybody that has, I want to thank all my guests once again, for being a part of the show. I want to thank Devin Hall, Isaiah Wilkins, Nigel Johnson, Mamadi Diakite, as well as Ty Jerome. I want to thank all of them for being a part of the broadcast. Jack Saltz, as well, and DeAndre Hunter of Virginia. I want to thank Luke May of North Carolina and Alan Griffin of the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team as their assistant coach. I will speak with you tomorrow morning on the broadcast, Tuesday, March 13th. Thanks for rolling with me on very, very, very little sleep this morning after doing a full week in Brooklyn of shows. God bless. Thank you so much, and thank you once again to Brooklyn. I look forward to talking with you soon.